0: Good morning, everybody. Your time is 7.50. It is December 14th, 2021, also known as the day after Taylor Swift's birthday. Here is your wake-up call on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. I'm your host, Samir Knox, and right now it's around 42 degrees out. We're looking at a high of 61 and a low of 36 today. And stay tuned for a full weather report in just a few minutes. We will be talking to friend of the show, Mandy Hagsept of Missouri Family Health Council in just a few minutes. Right now, let's get into some news. All right, folks, today we are going to start locally. This is from the Missouri Independent by Tessa Weinberg and Rebecca Revis. Missouri's largest county seek to appeal ruling overturning local health orders says Jackson and St. Louis counties argue Attorney General Eric Schmidt's refusal to appeal has created a, quote, chaos in public health. Um, this is all quoted from them. Jackson and St. Louis counties requested Monday that they be permitted to intervene and appeal a recent court ruling that they argue has upended the long-standing public health framework in Missouri. In a filing submitted Monday afternoon and obtained by the Independent, the two counties asked Cole County Circuit Judge Daniel Green, To stay his recent ruling, while the request to appeal the decision or for a new trial is considered. On November 22nd, Green ruled that state regulations granting local health departments the power to issue COVID orders violated our Missouri Constitution. He declared orders issued unilaterally under the regulations, quote, null and void. Despite the state health department's request to appeal Green's ruling, Attorney General Eric Schmidt has refused sending cease-and-desist letters and warning of future litigation if public health departments or school districts refuse to comply. In their motion, Jackson and St. Louis County described Schmidt's actions as a campaign of litigation and terror and warned if Green's ruling remains in place, community spread, quote, by the way, community spread of all communicable diseases will no doubt skyrocket in this state, while the mechanisms for combating any such spread will have been dismantled. So I guess parsing that is just a bit confusing. What's going on there is, um, I guess, our um, circuit court, county circuit court judge, this is for Cole County, Daniel Green, has ordered that the uh, thing that school districts and public health departments must comply with, this is the Attorney General Eric Schmidt as well, is not setting any rules at the school district and public health department level. Or at the very least not setting any COVID rules. Um, and they were sending these cease and desist letters and warnings of future li- litigation for people who did that. I was a little confused when I read that. So hopefully that maybe removes a little bit of ambiguity. The next story I want to talk about is the uh, decidedly not local, but I think still significant and maybe a watershed moment in the United States in labor relations. Um, the Buffalo News. This is from John Harris called What to Watch for Next After Starbucks Union Election in Buffalo. Quote, the vote Thursday by workers at a Starbucks in Buffalo to join a union sent out ripples that were noticed nationwide as it became the Seattle coffee chain's only company-operated U.S. store to be organized. But what comes next could be even more significant for both the company and the union. In the months and years ahead, those workers will try to secure their first contract. Their success or failure could influence whether more Starbucks stores across the country could try to be unionized. While well, the vote was a watershed moment for the union simply because it won a clear victory at one store, it was not a decisive win, showing that Starbucks' arguments against the organizing effort held sway with many of its workers. While well, employees at a Starbucks store on Elmwood Avenue, this is in Buffalo, so maybe that is not super significant to us, voted 19-8 to join a union. Workers at a Starbucks location in Hamburg went against the union by a margin of 12-8. to 8. Um, So I think there's just stuff to watch there. I think it's important to know that that is true and that that happened and I'll be really interested and we'll definitely be following up on this in the uh, coming weeks as we get to our um, continue our show. Uh, Right now we are going to be talking to Mandy Hackseth. I spoke with her last night about Medicaid expansion and what Missouri looks like compared to our neighboring state of Oklahoma and maybe what some things that we wouldn't as the general public know about Medicaid expansion. So here is my interview with Mandy. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Mandy Haxa from Missouri Family Health Council. And we're going to be talking today about the ballot initiative passed last year in August of Medicaid expansion. And there's been a lot of controversy. Um, It's been gone all the way up to the Missouri Supreme Court. And uh, back in July, unanimously, they ruled in favor of Medicaid expansion after the ballot initiative. So it's been well over a year of controversy and um, a lot of legalese kind of stuff happening. So Mandy, what's significant about it now? Like, is it something that people can readily access right now?
1: Yeah. So as of October 1st, the state of Missouri began fully processing expanded Medicaid enrollments. And so as of October 1st, yes, people Um, can enroll in the expanded program and people that may have not previously been eligible to the tune of 275,000 Missourians may now be eligible and can indeed enroll.
0: Yeah, so to be clear, the the thing I was referring to, I was a little vague about it, we're talking about uh, more people being able to access Medicaid through this expanded ballot initiative we passed last year, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, so you mentioned earlier when we were speaking about Oklahoma and our comparison to that. Can you talk a little bit about the the news of us compared to Oklahoma?
1: Yeah. So in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of comparison being drawn between Missouri and Oklahoma um, in terms of how they have embraced or um, implemented Medicaid expansion. Oklahoma actually, their voters passed Medicaid expansion just a little bit ahead of Missouri voters. They have the same eligibility threshold and give or take around the same eligible population. Yet Oklahoma has enrolled something like 90% of its eligible population, while Missouri has only enrolled less than say 7%. And so this is like a very significant difference that sends a pretty clear message that Missouri can and really must do better. The big reason that um, Kaiser Health News and others have pointed out The disparity between the two states is that Oklahoma has done a significant amount of work with outreach and promoting the change in eligibility, whereas Missouri has done little in that department. So it's been health advocates, health centers, and others that have largely kind of carried that weight. And there's really a big role that all of us still can play here to help make sure that those messages get out to people. Um, There's over 250,000 Missourians um, that are still eligible for and really need healthcare. And we all can help get the word out that the eligibility rules have changed and more people can now access coverage through MoHealthNet.
0: Yeah, so are there any people in Missouri right now or any organizations rather that are working towards that end messaging?
1: Yeah, so there's a banner organization called Cover Missouri, and I think that they're a great um, example of a super helpful um, place that people can go for assistance. They offer free enrollment assistance through covermissouri.org, and they also have a call center. Um, the number is 800 466 3213. It's also on their website, but they have trained local experts all across Missouri that can help people navigate the system and the new rules for eligibility. So Cover Missouri is a huge resource that um, people can access for help navigating the change.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you very much, Mandy. And to repeat those, that was covermissouri.org. And the number to call them was 800-466-3213. Okay, last and certainly not least, let's get into your weather for the week. Today, we are looking at a high of 61, low of 36. Again, it is around 43-ish degrees right now. Uh, Tomorrow, we're looking at a high of 66, low of 55, just going to be cloudy. Thursday, there's a 50% chance of rain, high of 66, low of 36. And then Friday... 80% chance of rain, and it's definitely going to look like some thunderstorms then. It'll be a high of 48 and a low of 34. Get a little sunnier as we get into the weekend. It'll be a high of 45 on Saturday and Sunday, and a low of around 25. On Monday, we'll look out for something similar. A low of 28 and a high of 48. Still partly cloudy. Again, thank you for listening. This has been the Wake Up Call on KOPN Columbia. I'm your host, Samir Knox. Right up next, we have... Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. 6 p.m. we have Evening Edition with Laura Wacker. And, of course, we will have Dan Veets on at 7 for Sex, Drugs, and Civil Liberties. Thank you very much, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day.